Have you ever been in a field and were poked by a prickly bush? I know as a kid, I had many of those pulled out of me, and it hurt, but you moved on once it was out. Little prickly things wasn't going to stop me and probably you from having fun. You get poked, pull it out, and go on their way. Living life is a lot like that, isn't it? Life sometimes pricks you with something, and usually you can pull it out and continue on our way. This happens a lot, and sometimes we don't even feel the prick. It's just part of living life. Of course then there is the person who is totally overwhelmed with life has thrown at them. They don't know where to turn and where to go, so usually they act like nothing is wrong. They have prayed and prayed about it, and yet God seems like he isn't there. Are Are the physical, mental, and emotional pain becomes more and more overwhelming, and now they are going through the motions every day, hoping nobody would ask how they were doing. They want to hide. They have lost all faith in Jesus, or they decided that this is the way God wants it. This morning we are going to talk about and listen to what God has to say about suffering. There are a number of stories in the Bible that talk about this topic. One of my favorite people in the Bible has a lot to say about this topic. He is one of the greatest apostles and has helped me view suffering through a different lens. His name is Paul. The interesting thing about Paul is he really lived a dual life. He was Saul before he was Paul, and he was one of the harshest people to persecute Christians before his conversion. He killed, he stoned, and he just wasn't very nice. Let's hold on to that thought for a minute. He meets Jesus when he is headed to Damascus to do some of that violent persecution. He gets struck down by the risen Jesus, is blinded by Jesus, and now Paul has to be led by hand to Damascus. God sends Anhernionis to restore Paul's sight. Anhernionis follows God's orders, goes and meets Paul, and God restores Paul's sight. This starts Paul's ministry, where he is thrown in jail several times, he is beaten to the brink of death, and he is stoned and left for dead. We hear no complaints from Paul. He is on a mission from God, and there is nothing that is going to stop him. This is one of the reasons why I find this passage in 2 Corinthians so interesting. Paul has plenty of stuff to complain to God about, but for all we know he hasn't done it. Paul introduces us to his thorn in his side in 2 Corinthians 12 verses 7 through 10. Right before he introduces us to his thorn, Paul explains about revelations he has had about heaven. This was about 14 years prior to writing this letter, and as scholars have traced the timetable back, it's about the time he was stoned and left for dead. 
So, during that stony experience, God reveals and gives him a glimpse of the kingdom that is coming. And now he writes this in verses 7 and 8. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. The Greek word Paul uses here is scolops, which actually means a state driven in the flesh. This was a physical ailment of some kind. We don't really know what physical ailment it was, but the strong Greek word suggests he was dealing with something physical, and I am going to suggest to you it was pretty major. For all that Paul's been through to say something about this, it has to be something that is pretty much driving him crazy. The interesting thing is he calls it a messenger from Satan. I'm not sure why exactly he calls it this, but hold on to that thought. A pretty common Jewish understanding of suffering was to relate it back to some sins of the past, so some believe Paul thinks he has been inflicted with this because of his sins of the past. All of his actions of persecuting Christians. He also relates it back to this vision and revelations he has had, trying to say this thorn is supposed to keep him humble. I am going to suggest to you Paul is just searching for any reason for the thorn. Yet, he never once says, this is God's plan. It's interesting that Paul doesn't contribute this to God. Actually, I would say he leaves God totally out of the conversation of why he has this thorn. Paul finds himself looking for an answer. Yet, instead of putting it all on God, he starts pleading with God. He does this three times, but it could have been thirty times. He wants God to take this burden away. Don and I were in a grocery store about a couple of years ago. Don was looking at something on the shelf, and I was behind her. There was plenty of room to get by us. All of a sudden, this woman comes and yells at Don, excuse him. Don and I looked at each other very confused as we watched this woman make this big curve around me. Don smirked and said, I guess she didn't want to catch your disability. All people perceive things differently, and yet perception of a disability really hasn't changed a lot over the last 30 years. A disability is a limitation of some kind, so when it is visible like mine is, people tend to write you off right away. I'm not perceived to have any abilities because the disability I have sticks out like a sore thumb. The question I have had to answer is this. What can you do when there seems there is nothing to do? It is a question that I face every day. Many times I have thought, if I didn't have a disability, I would be just a normal person. I wouldn't have to deal with everything I have to deal with now. My life would be so much simpler. Or would it? 
Everybody has a constraint in their life, but most people try to hide their constraints. Constraints are viewed today as a weakness, and nobody believes a person can have a weakness. So, when this happens, a person tries to mask whatever flaw they have in order to be accepted into their community. We are bombarded with this idea every day. The media tells you, if you have a flaw, you can fix it. If you look different, we will give you a makeover. But don't be satisfied with the person that you are. Do something about it, so you will be able to fit into society. The crazy thing is, we listen. We put masks on and hide our constraints. I was born in 1973. The umbilical cord was coming out before me, so they had to do an emergency C-section. They knew they were racing the clock. 45 minutes later, I was born. I wasn't breathing and my body was blue. They started CPR and gave me CPR for 40 minutes. I was breathing finally. But I had gone without oxygen for more than an hour. The lack of oxygen caused an injury to the motor portion of my brain. I have cerebral palsy. I am classified as an athletoid. Which means my muscles never stop moving. The expectations for my life weren't high. My life wasn't going to be the life they expected for me. I wasn't going to be able to walk or talk. I wasn't going to be the star athlete. I wasn't going to be able to do a lot of things, and all of a sudden my parents had one of their many what-do-we-do moments. Living with cerebral palsy isn't that big of a deal. It's all of the side issues that come alongside of cerebral palsy that can drive you crazy and to the brink of giving up. Besides not being able to communicate, the worst thing I had and still have to deal with is digging into my thumbs. This started at the age of two. I had constant blisters on my thumbs, so to relieve some of the pain, mom covered my thumbs with band-aids. That worked for a while, but when I was 11 I had to sort down to the bone on my right thumb. Something had to be done, so they decided to do major surgery on my right thumb. If it was left up to me, they would have cut my thumb off right then, but what does an 11-year-old know anyway? They removed all of the muscles from my thumb and fused the lower joint so it couldn't move. It worked for about a year and a half, but when the muscles grew back, like all muscles do, we were right back to base one. I'll shorten this story a little, so instead of band-aids, we started covering my hands with gloves. First, it was one glove on each hand, but by the time I was 17, I was wearing four gloves on each hand, and I was still having pain. This prevented me from going on school overnight trips because who was going to take care of my thumbs? Who was going to be able to put on my gloves besides my mom? 
Why do I have to have a disability when my brothers and sisters can run and play? I want to be just like them. I don't want to ride on this bus every day for an hour to get to school and back home. I would cry when my bus came, but every day mom put me on that bus. This is where I really started to ask tough questions. Life just didn't seem fair to me. I really had to wonder why a loving God I heard about in church would make me suffer. Yet, mom and dad always reassured me God would give me the strength. Actually, mom always put me on the bus by whispering this verse to me, I can do all things through Christ, who gives you his strength. As a 13-year-old who wanted to do everything his brothers were doing, that wasn't always what I wanted to hear. If Christ was going to allow me to do all things, he was sure showing it the wrong way. I still had a disability. I still couldn't do everything I wanted to do. He hasn't healed my thumbs, and I'm still living with that pain every day too. Paul was exactly where I was. He was at his breaking point with his thorn. He has done everything God wanted him to do, and yet God continued to say no to this one request. Paul doesn't understand it until God tells him. Verse 9 reads, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. This shifted Paul's attention off of his thorn and onto the grace of God. He began to understand in his weakness God's power was strong. The first lesson I learned is sometimes God knows better than we do. We might pray and pray and pray to have something taken away, and God may say no. I believe this is the hardest lesson to learn because we really don't want to rely on God. We trust ourselves better than we trust God. So, if God says no, all of a sudden we have to trust him differently. Paul embraces his thorn in the flesh now because he knows God is stronger than anything. This is why he tells us, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul's focus is directly on Christ. It is off of his thorn. It is off of his struggles. It is off of everything else, and strictly on the power of Jesus. This is why as Paul is sitting in jail, waiting to die, he writes this to the Philippians. I can do all things through Christ who gives me his strength. Christ will pull you through anything you are struggling with if you are relying on him. When the world is telling you no, you are going to have to decide who you are going to listen to. Are you going to listen to all the doubters? Are you going to listen to the spirit that is inside of you? When I started at Hope College we thought we figured out a better way to protect my thumbs. 
I would wear one glove and then a neoprene splint over it to help protect my thumb. However, as my senior year came along, my thumbs developed sores on them again. I was taking 16 Advil a day just to make it through the day. I was put on a muscle relaxant hoping it would change my muscle tone so that my fingers would stop pressing on my thumb. Nothing worked once again and I remember sitting alone in my dorm room just crying. Why God? Isn't the disability enough? I have to live with this pain too. This is when I read verse 9. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. I know this wasn't the first time I read this, but this was different. Something clicked in that night, and I realized I was still allowing the disability to win. I had allowed my disability to become my identity. I had allowed all the chatter around me decide who I was, and my life wasn't working. It was at this time I realized my mom wasn't saying God was going to take the struggle away. She was giving me a life verse to endure the struggle so that I could see the possibilities. I can do all things through Christ who gives me his strength. It didn't mean I was going to be able to do everything I wanted, but I would be able to endure the struggle. By enduring the struggle, I would be able to persevere. By enduring the struggle, I was no longer relying on man-made solutions. I was relying on the power and strength of Jesus. Lesson 2 that I learned from this passage is trust God's grace is sufficient. For the longest time, I remember feeling I was given a raw deal by God. It's only when I started to trust that God's grace was sufficient that my life turned around for me. I realized I had a God-given purpose, and Jesus was going to help me accomplish that purpose. It's that spirit telling you, trust me, I can get you through. It's that spirit telling you, let go, rely on my strength. It's that spirit who is telling you, let me be the strong one, so that my power shines through your weakness. God is calling us to be his disciples. In order to do that I believe God needs us to get out of the way. I don't know why God didn't take away Paul's thorn. I don't know why God hasn't healed me either. Yet, I know God uses things for his purpose. This takes me to the last lesson I have learned. I need to rely on God's strength to get me through every day and fulfill the purpose he has for me. The only way my life is possible is relying on Jesus to show up every day. In order to have hope every day, I have to give every aspect of my life over to Jesus. This is very difficult to do, and I know I fail to do it at times. I fail when I start to get anxious before a trip. I fail when I get frustrated about needing to find help for something. And yet, Jesus still shows up to give me his strength, even when I forget to ask. 
When I wake up every day, I have to decide if I am going to give up to endure another day. I have to decide to give the power over to Jesus because I know I can't do it without his strength. It would be very easy for me to say God planned this life for me. However, by saying that, I don't believe I'm giving God justice. I'm giving myself an excuse not to live for Jesus. Like Paul, I am comfortable living into the ambiguity of God saying no to taking away my thorn, and knowing his grace and strength is really all that I need because God's glory is able to shine through my weakness, just as he shines through your weakness if you let him. The amazing thing is he has used this disability for his purposes. Jesus has given me the hope to give up every day and say let's go live life. Where are you today? Are you at the end of your rope? Do you believe God has a purpose for you even when you have a constraint? God is reminding us my grace is all you need. Rely on my strength. It's the only way to truly follow me and fulfill my purpose for you. Let us pray. O oh Holy Spirit, grant us the wisdom to search for you. Help us to feel your grace. Help us to feel your strength. Help us to rely on you solely. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.